HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska Seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Hey, this is Kat, Communications Director of HRN, here with a preview of Episode 2 of Meat and 3. This week, we're talking pork. We'll learn the best way to make a BLT. I don't think I've ever successfully made a BLT just because I eat the bacon before any other part. How pitmasters and restaurateurs are helping put small-scale pig farmers back to work in Alabama. It's all about money. That's the bottom line. What pork has to do with economics? Farmers could be particularly affected by China's threat to levy its own tariffs on pork and soybeans. And with government. Basically all of politics is pork at this point. So tune in on Friday afternoon for your weekly serving of Meat in 3. And make sure you subscribe to be the first to know when new episodes air. Hello, welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, May 23rd, 2018. This is the 177th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a cook, writer, traveler, planner, and dreamer, and I will introduce her fully in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip, Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to create your own career. Forget what you may have learned when you were growing up, that you had to pick a textbook job and do just one thing in your life, as really, that's not true. You can do anything you set your mind to and wear many hats to make your own unique profession. Yes, one size does not fit all. One size fits one. So dream big and do what works for you. That's my tip today. Now, I'm very excited to have my guest calling in with me. It is Jody Eddy. She is a cookbook author, journalist, food conference and culinary tour organizer, consultant, recipe developer, and chef. 
Jody is a graduate of the University of Minnesota and the Institute of Culinary Education in Manhattan. She's cooked at John George and Tabla in New York City in the Fat Duck in England. She was the executive editor at Art Culinaire magazine. She's been a contributing writer to many publications, and she's written several cookbooks, including Come In, We're Closed, An Invitation to Staff Meals at the World's Best Restaurants, and North, Cuba, and the, I'm going to say it wrong, Huga, let's say, did I get it right? Huga, the Huga life. Um and I'm going to stop there because I could spend the whole show reading about what Jody's accomplished and what she does. But um, welcome to the show, Jody. Thank you so much, Sherry. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk with you because your your career is really fascinating. I I, I just knowing you and knowing knowing everything you do and not even knowing everything you do, <laughs> you know, it just <laughs> seems you have so many projects going on. It's it's amazing. <laughs> So it's, it's looping back to what you said that you have to wear many hats when you're a freelancer in the culinary industry. <laughs> yes, and you certainly do that. So um, I, I always start out with my guests with how they got into the industry and, and like how did you find your way into, into what you're doing today? Sure. Um, I am a career changer. I was working in marketing and television um, before I moved to New York, but I've always loved food. And once I arrived in Manhattan, I thought I might as well take advantage of the future. And so I am a graduate of the Institute of Culinary Education. Um, it just seemed really timely and perfect, um, considering all the opportunities that are here. Right. So, and you started cooking, you worked at, you worked at amazing restaurants. And then how did you find your way from cooking into being an editor and being a writer? Yeah, I, so I have an English degree, and I've always kept a blog, and even throughout um, culinary school and my time at restaurants, I kept writing. Even when I would finish up a 17-hour shift in England, I would go home and I would write about the history of chestnuts or whatever the topic was. Um, and so when I decided to leave the kitchen, um, I found my way to Art Culinaire, and it was a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, I'm thinking back if that's when we first connected. I don't I don't really remember, but I do remember when you were with Art Culinaire and I know you profiled so many leaders yeah. in the industry and it was such a beautiful mm. magazine. Yeah, it was a really fantastic um chance to just meet so many incredible chefs around the world and as well to meet so many amazing PR um people. And I think that is probably where we connected. We've known each other for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, no, we have. And so then what, what inspired you to write? It was your first cookbook, right? The staff meals. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, when I arrived at the fat duck, I, we were working 17 hour days, six days a week. I was overwhelmed as we all were. And then the highlight of the day um, for me, or two highlights, we had two staff meals every day, and they were gorgeous. And I loved how we had chefs from around the world, and so I learned so much about the cuisine, um, global cuisine, really, uh, based upon who was cooking the meal that day. Um, I loved how you know, it was so different than the cuisine we were actually serving at the Fat Duck, and I was just really fascinated by the tradition. Um, and my co-writer, who's Christine Carroll, she as well had been a chef, actually, in England as well. 
And we sat down together and we said, you know, let's write a cookbook. And what, what is our favorite thing that happens in a restaurant every day? And we settled on family meal. It was Christine's idea. Um, and it, it just seemed like a really timely thing to write about. And at the time, now there's a lot written um, about staff meals. I know some restaurants are serving staff meals to their customers. But at the time, um, it, was, it was pretty rare to talk about staff meals. So it felt like a really nice, timely book. Yeah, and even even you saying it's more common now, I still think it's maybe industry people or I don't know if it's yeah, if it's right. still so common to know what a staff yeah. meal is like at a, at a <laughs> restaurant, and yeah. and it's a it's a huge part of working in a in a restaurant. Absolutely, it, it afforded me um, just so many opportunities to kind of get an insider peek into what was happening. We covered Michelle Bra's um, staff meal is so incredible because his mother, you know, came to the staff meal and his son was there and his grandchildren. It was truly a family meal. Um, and and Mugarice's staff meal, they had just had their fire. And so um, wow. Andoni Adoui talked about the most memorable staff meal we ever had. And he said it wasn't anything fancy. It was We had just reopened after the fire. But we still didn't have tables. You know, we were just, all the staff had come back, and he served a traditional Basque stew in a rustic pot, and they all ate from the pot. And he said that was, for us, our most memorable. And so it just afforded, I covered 25 restaurants. Um, this really allowed me to um, really gain insight, not just into the cuisine of the restaurant, but into the spirit of the restaurant and the chefs there. Right. And so you you were traveling then around the world to do this. Um yeah. How much time did you spend? Like, what was the process like? Yeah, it was. So I was still at Art Culinaire for most of it. So oh, wow. Christine had just had a baby. And so we, um, I was traveling and she was doing a lot of the recipe testing. And, um, you know, every weekend I was visiting a staff mail no matter where it was in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very intense time, but it was also a really exhilarating time. Yeah, no, it's it's incredible. Um, I I love. I mean, the whole idea of the book that you did it, and then and you created a beautiful book, and and went to all these, you know, covered all these amazing restaurants is is awesome. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So so um, then what? So you've written you've written else a few books all under yeah. the food well the food lifestyle umbrella. Like how? Mm-hmm. Like you talk about some of your other projects, like the next book yeah. I think was North, right? Yeah. I, so that's with the chef um, Gunnar Carl Gislason, who's now the chef of Igern um, mm-hmm. at Grand Central Station. I met Gunnar, um, I went to Iceland, I think in 2008. It was two weeks after the economic collapse of Iceland. I went there to cover chefs um, for our culinary, and it was not the ideal time to be there covering the food scene because they had such a horrible financial situation. But Gunnar had just opened Dill. Um, and I met him and I, I really connected with him. He's such a fascinating person. Um, and we just stayed in touch over the years and I covered his staff meal at Dale. And at that staff meal, I had just had such an inspiring time meeting so many food producers through him and learning about Iceland that we sat down and we said, you know, let's, let's write a book together. Um, and we, I, I've been to Iceland over 50 times. I, oh my God, it's I like didn't... a second home to me now. And it's been really 
amazing to see so many of the food producers that we um, that really became like family to me over the years all around the country. We just kept driving the country. We ended our last photo shoot was on the Arctic Circle on an island three hours north of the mainland of Iceland. Um, but it's been amazing to see the culinary renaissance that's happening in Iceland right now. And all of the producers that I've worked with are so successful now. They can't keep up with demand. And so to have seen them go from struggle to this rich, wonderful life that they're living has, has really meant so much to me beyond, you know, a professional um, satisfaction. Absolutely. I have to say you're, you're, you were on the forefront, I think, of Iceland, or now it's become, <laughs> no, because it's become very yeah. cool and trendy to go. And I went last yeah. year. And I remember. <laughs> I, and you'll see coming up on the show, I'm, I, I'm flashing back to one of my solo dining experiences in Iceland. Oh, great. Uh, because oh, can't wait. I've already talked about going to Dill by myself, which I loved. Uh, no, so go, Yeah, go with me. <laughs> uh, well, I'm. I mean, you've been fifty times. I'm. I'm ready for my second trip. <laughs> I really am. I'll be there the first week of July, so I'll see you there. <laughs> well, actually, you know, I was there in March, and it was beautiful in all the snow. And I figured when I go back, I want to go in another season. So, yes, I might take you up on absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's then, and then you have a. A, a new book that you, you, well, you have a couple of new books, but then you went to Cuba. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, that was actually my publisher, um, for several of my books has been 10 speed. And, um, my editor there, Jenny Wapner actually approached me and asked me if I would like to join the team and go to Cuba and write. And of course, um, it's an opportunity you can't pass up. So yeah, we traveled through Cuba, um, with Andrea Kuhn, who's an incredible food stylist and Dan Goldberg, the photographer, um, and just had some really, um, incredible experiences there and met the most fascinating, compassionate, inspiring people. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm amazed at how you come to work on all these, these different books in different locations and then collaborate. I'm I'm wondering, are you collaborating with different people on different projects or then do you go back and work with the same photographers or the same recipe testers? Um, yeah, actually I, um, you know, I, I tend to collaborate with um, different photographers. Um, sometimes I'm collaborating with chefs. Truth be told, I'm actually at a photo shoot right now for my new cookbook that's coming out, and I'm watching my photographer set up a scene right now. <laughs> I love it. Um, you're you're a multitasker like me. <laughs> What's her name again? <laughs> Kristen Teig. Um, she's amazing. She's done the Sofa Cookbook and um, Kristen Kish's book. Um, yeah. So what's yep. the book that you're working on? I'm, I'm writing a book right now that's profiling. It's for Norton. It's profiling the um, culinary traditions of restaurants, um, synagogues, or I'm sorry, of monasteries, synagogues, mosques, and temples around the world. Oh, um, wow. And so we're traveling to 14 different countries. <laughs> so it's a pretty intense book, but we're learning so much. We just returned from, we were in Fez. Morocco. Um, we were cooking with um, Sufis in the Medina. It was incredible. Um, right now I'm with Alex Rappaport, who runs Masbia um, Soup Kitchen in New York, and we're cooking um, and learning about Jewish food traditions with his brother, who's a chef. 
That's... So it's it's been um, it's a bit of an overwhelming project in terms of its scope, but it's really been amazing, and we're gaining a lot of access, which is very tricky, and it takes a while, you know, to find your way into a, a cloistered kitchen in a monastery, but <laughs> we're making our way slowly by building trust and taking our time. It's, it's a f- fun project. Sounds like a fun project. And again, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's allowing you to travel around the world, which, exactly. <laughs> which I think is a huge uh, perk. <laughs> yes, exactly. So, I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah. I, I don't know. We're gonna get. We're gonna take a little break here, and we're gonna get into all the other things you do that we've covered <laughs> some some of the books. But um, so stay with us. Great. We're gonna take a little break okay. and come back. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Take a sip from your chalice, just and I. Think about what it takes to swim a coastline longer than the entire eastern seaboard and leap tall waterfalls in a single bound. What does it take to survive 200 feet deep in icy saltwater? What would you be made of? Wild Alaska seafood is made of tight muscle mass, long chain omega-3s, and incredible micronutrients. It matters where your food comes from. Experience the flavor of the fittest in every bite and enjoy food the way nature intended. Alaska seafood, wild, natural, and sustainable. Ask for Alaska on the menu, grocery store, or smart device. For more information, visit wildalaskaseafood.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Jody Eddy. She's a cookbook author, journalist, food conference organizer, culinary tour organizer, consultant, recipe tester, and chef. She wears many hats. And uh, I happen I happen to say <laughs> have to tell you, Jody. So I'm sitting here at, <laughs> at Heritage Radio in the studio, and what happens around 4:15 is Roberta's <laughs> staff meal, and. Oh. Perfect. So and so, I'm I'm watching um, the sh- the chefs and the team gather, and this this happens during my show. And uh, I was just thinking of you during the break. I'm like, Lucky oh, you. perfect! I'll see what they're oh, eating. I love it. How timely! <laughs> Maybe we could go out there take some photos for a new book. <laughs> Great. I love it. I bet it's fantastic there too. <laughs> yeah, the food here is so good. So I think I think yeah, they eat very well. Okay, so let's talk a little about some of the other hats you wear with, with being a a food conference organizer. Like, how did you get into that? Um, I just, um, love (laughs) bringing people together, um, to have conversations about topics that I think are important to kind of, you know, try to move the the conversation forward. Um, you know, my goal for conferences is to hopefully facilitate, a conversation where individuals are, you know, we've identified an issue and individuals are coming to the table who have different problem, uh, ways that they've, they've solved 
the problem or working to solve the problem, um, to hopefully network with one another and um, inspire each other. And I think the tricky thing with food conferences is always what is the takeaway and not just to take away that day, because we always feel inspired when we attend a food conference, but how do you keep the work going um, throughout the year? And I, yes. I think that's always the most challenging part, um, is just figuring that out. No, it's a, it's a good point, for sure. So what are you, what are you working on now? Yeah, I am, um, so I'm organizing, I, I just relocated back to Minneapolis, where I'm from, and, um, and I'm planning to, to visit there for too. A family so. member, okay. Um, but I am also I was enticed by the food scene there. Um, it's it's really Gavin Kaysen just won the James Beard Award. Um, you know, Minneapolis is all of a sudden on the map, mm-hmm. and I keep telling my friends, "Oh my gosh, the food scene here is incredible!" And they're like, "Yeah, we know, we live here." But it's been really fun to explore. Um, we have an incredible. Um, it, we have incredible diversity, and you know, we have an amazing Hmong community, um, Somali community, Vietnamese community, along with you know, all the Scandinavian traditions, German, Eastern European. Um, so it's this really dynamic place right now, and we don't really have an international food conference there yet. Um, I was talking to a chef recently. His name is Justin Carlisle. Oh, He's in Milwaukee, yeah. and he was saying he recently went to Denmark you know, we're all celebrating Denmark as we should, and we go to the MAD conference, Renee Redzepi's conference, and it's amazing. But he said, I, I saw so many parallels with the Midwest in terms of, you know, our agriculture and our um, lakes and our hunting and our foraging. And so I'm organizing a conference called the North Symposium that will take place in Minneapolis in the fall of 2019 to really bring in um, chefs and others in the industry from around the world to um, to come together, have those conversations in Minneapolis, because I think it's about time, and I'm really excited um, for it to unfold. It's super exciting. I mean, Minneapolis is in, on my list of places to visit because I... You can stay with me. Oh, <laughs> oh my... You have to. It's, it's recorded here live. Um I, I would, I would love to. I've, I've been, I've been, you know, I saw Gavin at the the James Beard yeah. Awards. I actually did a little interview with him that will come up um, when I, I air my my coverage from the awards. Oh, great! And um, and I know Justin too, and and he's he's yeah. trying to get me to Milwaukee. So, um, <laughs> I, I mean, there, there, the, the few chefs that I know from there, they are fantastic, and um, no, it sounds, it sounds really exciting. So, so how do you? How do you go about planning a food conference in Minneapolis, a symposium? I mean, <laughs> location is everything. Um, and we just, we actually just um, found our location. So I'm really excited about that. And then, you know, truly, I really approach it from a, well, obviously, there are individuals who inspire us all, you know, and so that is certainly something I consider. But then also really trying to figure out what those issues are right now that, you know, globally, chefs and farmers and food scientists that we're all really struggling with. And I always try to think about um, who do we bring together who can really move this conversation forward? 
Um, and so that's where I begin. And then it's all the details, <laughs> all of those fun logistics. <laughs> so many details. Yeah, no. So it's... many. <laughs> well, I look yeah. forward to hearing more. I certainly would love to come to it. And Oh, um, I hope you do. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I, I don't know, are you going to be in at MAD this year in Copenhagen? No. I, I'm, I'm so sad about that, but I, I just have so much travel for my book. I'm doing, I'm going to India, Lebanon. Georgia, Thailand, Japan this fall for the book. And I'm actually writing another book for Clarkson Potter um, with the chef Manit Chohan. Um, It's called The Chot Express. And we're we're riding the trains of India together. I've known Manit for years. And this has been a dream book of ours. Um, And we're we're profiling chots, which is essentially street food in India. Um, So Coupled with the other book um, and the conference, I just don't have time, and I'm so <laughs> sad about that. Oh, but I know you're going, so I can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> I am. I I'm going for the first time. I, I was in. Oh, it's great. I visited Copenhagen for the first time last year, and oh. I'm. But I've never gone to Mad, and I've. Oh. You know, no, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. Absolutely. So uh, it's so inspiring. I've been going since its first year, and. You know, it just gets better every year. Um, and I think it's inspired so many other conferences that are happening globally um, that Absolutely. are really mindful, thought-provoking conferences. So it's, it's oh, I can't wait to hear. You're going to have such an incredible experience. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Should be. So, so how, I mean, how do you manage your time and, and all these projects? I mean, every, I feel every day I wake up, it's, you know, um, it's completely different day, different week, what I'm doing, but I don't, I'm not, I'm not juggling as much. I'm, I'm juggling a bit. Absolutely. (laughs) You do. Yes. That's an understatement. (laughs) Well, no, but no, but seriously, how do you, how do you manage your time and, and, uh, you just make it work? (laughs) Yeah. You just, you know, I think when you're a freelancer, I've talked to other, um, others in the food industry and I suspect you're like this as well. Um, I love my work and truly, it never feels like work <laughs> to yeah. me. And I love, I just love it so much. I don't, potentially, it's a detriment. I never really stop working. <laughs> I find myself, you know, on Sundays at 2 p.m. when I send an email, I'm like, where's the response? I'm like, oh, everyone else is off. <laughs> but I I do work a lot, um, you know, and I keep thinking, I'm so grateful for Google Docs. It keeps me organized, you know, keeps all my projects organized. Um, when I start working with a chef on a cookbook, I immediately get them up to speed if they're not with Google Docs. And this is <laughs> our system. And, you know, chefs sometimes are like, oh, no, but I'm like, no, we, we have to remain organized to get ourselves through this. And that's really, I think, how you have to approach everything. <laughs> You know, it's true. Being organized is is definitely key, and and <laughs> yeah. and having the tools. Yeah. So you you certainly yeah. you I would I would assume, and I think in your saying, you have a system, and you you know to uh, to be organized, and that's how you can manage all these projects. Yeah, absolutely. And then sometimes it's just working at three a.m. on a Saturday, <laughs> and that too. Yes. <laughs> So before we take a break, I have a question for you from my last guest. I had on Drew Nieporant on episode 176. Mm. And Drew, most people know this, but Drew is the founder and owner of Myriad Restaurant Group, which includes Tribeca Grill, Nobu NYC, Nobu 57, Nobu London, and Batard. And he also has Crush Wine and Spirits. 
a lot going on too. So yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So um, Drew wants to know what recipe would you create for Thanksgiving that's not turkey? Yeah, such a good question. And so I was living in Ireland um, a few years ago, writing a cookbook there, um, profiling the food producers there, and I was invited to be a judge at a muscle festival <laughs> oh. um, on Thanksgiving. And so I was really excited. Yeah, I want to go eat mussels and oysters for two days. Thank you. Um, and we, they created this gorgeous um, roasted oyster and mussel bake. And everything was roasted over pine needles and seaweed. <laughs> and it was so incredible. And I remember thinking, this is what I want every Thanksgiving. And unfortunately, I haven't had it since, but... That is what I would prepare if I had access to all of those gorgeous Kanmara mussels and oysters. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. And I, I mean, that is like the best answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> well, great. So we're going to take another break here and then we're going to come back and play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Like what you hear? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. With fresh programming every week, we've got something for everyone. Trying to start your own food business? Concerned about where your food comes from? Looking for the best wine or beer to bring to a party? Find our shows on iTunes or Stitcher, or head to heritageradionetwork.org to listen live and subscribe to our newsletter. We're back. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. It's time for my speed round game with Jody Eddy, who's my guest today. So, Jody, what this is is I name a couple things and you get to pick your preference. It's like chocolate oh or vanilla. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> okay, here we All go. Right. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Wine. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Sharing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you said sharing. <laughs> I thought, you, were, I thought yeah. you said my name. We were like, obviously, small oh. plates, Sherry. <laughs> okay, yeah, sharing small plates. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, how about communal table or chef's counter? communal table tipping or all-inclusive charge Mm, (laughs) I I stumped you (laughs) I'm a fantastic tipper so I I would say tipping (laughs) but hopefully everyone tips like I do (laughs) yeah hopefully (laughs) (laughs) how about writing books or planning conferences that's hard too. Oh, Sherry. I'm sorry. <laughs> These are really challenging. <laughs> I love writing books. Um, and that's what my mother would want me to say. So okay. writing books. <laughs> Mom approved answer. Yeah. A couple more. Solo travel or group travel? Um, I think group travel. 
Okay, because I know you do both. Um, I do, yeah. I always have more fun when I'm with yeah. friends. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese, for sure. Last one, Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Minneapolis? Oh, boy. I know well, that one. Brooklyn. I I lived in Brooklyn Ooh. for a while and I loved it and I miss it. <laughs> Great. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that was um you were really you really you knew what you knew what you know what you like. <laughs> I mean it's hard, I don't know. And it's interesting to hear your answers too, but um yeah, that was the game. So Oh right, that was fun. <laughs> cool. So industry news this week. Food and Wine magazine just came out oh. with their Best New Chefs in America, which is an annual list that they do. And it's mm-hmm. it's a huge honor to to be a part of this list. And they're they're known for, you know, if you look back at the 30 years they've been doing this, they've they've picked a lot of chefs who have become game changers in the industry, including Danielle Ballou and Thomas Keller and Tom Colicchio mm-hmm. and on and on. So yeah. um I was Monday night they did they did a party for the the best new chefs it was at Vandal and uh Jordana Rothman is the restaurant editor there and she she largely go, travels around the country and and selects these these chefs so um did you see the list I did yeah and I was so happy I I Recent, I was living in Nashville for a while while I was getting um, my book started with Manit, and right. um, I was so happy. Julia Sullivan won from Henrietta Red. I love that restaurant. Um, it's really fun to see. I was just at the Charter Oak during the Worlds of Flavor conference, and as well, it was, it, everything just felt right. Yeah, <laughs> All no the choices. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I haven't been to those two, but I've yeah, I've heard gr- wonderful things and. Uh, was interesting or, or awesome on this list is it's mostly women. It's seven, it's seven women it. yeah. and four men out of the, there's 11 mm-hmm. because, um, the two, the two chefs from King, which is one I've been to in New York, um, Claire <laughs> yeah. de, de Broyer and Jess Shadbolt are on the list. And, um, mm-hmm. this list is, has typically been very male dominated with maybe yeah. like one, one or two women every year. So mm-hmm. it was, is a, a change. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and you're seeing that more and more in the industry. Mm-hmm. I think the, Jir- uh, the Beard Awards as well, you know, are very yeah. ICP. And you know, it's very inspiring to really see this. Um, it's a sea change right now. It's, it's pretty thrilling. It is. It is. And, I mean, the list The list is, uh, you know, it's it's a diverse list all around the country. That was, that was the king was yeah. the only one in New, in New York. But... Um, mm. Brady Williams was on the list, and he's at Canlis, and he previously yeah. was the executive chef at Roberta's here right, in Brooklyn, right. and they oh, they got him oh. out there. Um, and I've been I've been to Canlis, I mean pre Brady, but um, mm-hmm, it's a really special restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I, I lived in Seattle for about three years, right after college, and you know it's just so interesting to see a restaurant that was of a landmark restaurant at mm-hmm. that time, um, you know, to see it really take on new life. Um, so that was, that was exciting to see. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's definitely a special restaurant. And now I have a lot more places on my list around the country to visit. <laughs> I know. I, it was really geographically diverse, which mm-hmm. was a lot of fun as well. I, I talk sometimes to my um, chef friends in Chicago and, 
even there, you know, sometimes they still feel like it's flyover country, and that's Chicago. And so you know, there's so many pockets of the country that I think they're not undiscovered, but, you know, they're finally finding their footing in the industry. I talked to Manit about this quite a bit. She's in Nashville, and, mm-hmm. you know, Nashville's food scene is so dynamic right now, and um, it's really exciting to see this happen in cities throughout the country. It really is. I mean, another person on the list is uh, Kate Williams of Lady of the House in Detroit. And I went yeah. to the University of Michigan and oh, we, wow. I mean, yeah, we, but we went into Detroit like a couple of times, but there was nothing <laughs> happening there yes. in the dining scene. Yeah. So I've heard, I've heard Detroit has, has a great dining scene as well what I've heard as well. Yeah, it's pretty, you know, and, and like I said with Minnesota, when I, I went to college in Minneapolis, and I, I never wanted to eat out, you know, because I just wasn't inspired. And now I just can't get enough of what's there. And I've never been to Detroit, and I've seen it more and more, you know, my mm-hmm. friends' feeds. And um, yeah, I, I definitely think you need to come out. We have to do a Midwestern road trip. I'm down for that. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, I prefer to do it in the in the warmer months of the year. Yes. <laughs> you want to go ice fishing, Sherry. <laughs> well, actually, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, I would do that. Okay, so we need to plan a trip amongst all your other trips. I don't know when we're going to yes. find time, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Great. I'm in. <laughs> okay, great. So um, congratulations to all of the food and wine Best new chefs and and for yeah. to read about them and to see the whole list, you can go to foodandwine.com. Um, it's worth checking out and to see where mm-hmm. these people are going to take their careers next. It's exciting. Absolutely, it is. Okay, so we're going to take one more break and then we're going to come back and I'm going to do my solo dining experience and we'll have the final question. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. So as I said earlier in the show, I'm flashing back to a trip I took to Iceland, and this week my experience is at Fridheimer. Here's the rundown. <laughs> I, I heard that. <laughs> I, I'm very good friends with um, with the owners of Fridheimer. I love that place. <laughs> well, I'll sk- well, I'll sk- go, uh, before I give the rundown, do you want to say their names? Because I will not say them correctly. <laughs> Friedheimer. Uh, oh no, the owners. You, you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> the owners. The owners. Neuter. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Neuter and Helena. Okay. Well, that, they're the owners, and they run the 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 place with their five children. So, and I'm glad I got Friedheimer right. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, so here's the rest of my rundown. The location. Well, it's it's on Ice 801 Selfos, which is in Iceland on the Golden Circle. The concept. It's a geothermal tomato greenhouse offering a unique food experience with tomatoes growing all around. I said the owners, and the chef is John K.B. Sigusson. So why did I go? Because this place was highly recommended by Jody and a few other <laughs> industry friends, and it sounded fantastic. So my experience. So on this day in Iceland, I went early in the morning. I decided to go snowmobiling on Golfos Mountain, and it was fantastic, but I... we. On the way back, our vehicle got a little stuck in the snow and we were delayed. And I'm watching the clock and thinking, how am I going to get down the mountain into this restaurant? Because it closes at four o'clock. <laughs> and I'm, all, I'm seriously in my head concerned. Oh, no. I'm not going to make it. But I get down the mountain. I, I take a few, you know, I, I, I kind of race over to the waterfalls and the geyser and I take some pictures and... <laughs> And then I'm like, I'm on my mission to get to this greenhouse. And I did get there about 10 minutes to four. I was like, I made it. Um, you know, these are my priorities. I need, need, to, go, need to go to the greenhouse to eat. So what, so, yeah, so what did I get? Um, they had all-you-can-eat tomato soup, and they have fresh bread served buffet style. And it, the soup comes with cucumber salsa, and they also have these fresh herbs that are that are on the table um like they had they had the basil little little pot of basil plant <laughs> that I could actually cut the basil into my soup as much as I wanted which was awesome so my take was it was it was so fresh and delicious i mean how could it not be fabulous you're sitting there in this greenhouse surrounded by by all the tomatoes and it's just it's it's a, it's a, just a lovely setting and as I said, the ambiance, it's this uh, beautiful enclosed tomato greenhouse. They're, you know, giving tours to people walking around. It's, it's, it's mm. quite lovely. I'd say it's perfect for tomato lovers. Interesting <laughs> tidbit. Fred Heyer, Fred Hamar, Hamar, Fred Heimer, why am I saying it wrong now? Fred Hamar, <laughs> um, opened in 1995, and they offer four different types of tomatoes that are cultivated in its greenhouse. They grow tomatoes all year round, uh, despite Iceland's long, dark winters, under artificial lighting in the greenhouses. They also sell food souvenirs with their homemade tomatoes and cucumbers. And outside, they breed horses, and they put on a horse show <laughs> in 14 different languages. Yeah. Amazing. So, personal fun fact... Yeah. I actually didn't like tomatoes when I was a kid, so taste, taste oh, wow. change. <laughs> okay, the cost of this meal was $18 U.S. approximately. Would I go back? You bet I'd go back. And their website is fridheimer.is. That's great. I love that. I love, so um, what I, one of the incredible things about Iceland are their geothermal greenhouses and their geothermal electricity. So, you know, everything you're eating is so pristine. It's amazing. Yeah. No, it was so, it yeah. was so, it was such a cool, like, it's simple, you know, what they're it doing. Is, and and uh, the menu's yeah. small. I think really they, they, I mean, Bloody Mary's is another thing that you can get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great. And then they serve, I don't know if you have the um, rye bread. It's geothermal bread um, that's cooked in geothermal ovens using geothermal steam. Uh, it's really incredible, very dense and sweet. 
Um, I've known them since 2008. And again, you know, it was, we could go anytime and, you know, no one was there. And now I just, I'm going back in July and I emailed Helena and she said, oh, okay, but we have to get an appointment for you. I'm like, wow. <laughs> it's so busy now. It's it really was exciting to see. Yeah, it was, it was busy, but I mean, they wasn't at four o'clock. They stopped serving people, but you could stay like they didn't like rush <laughs> right. you and, and you could, you could walk around the vineyards and like, you know, check it all out. Um, mm. But it was, yeah, I was, I was very concerned. This was my one shot being on the golden circle. <laughs> and I was like, I made it. So, um, well, the snowmobiling sounds kind of fun too. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. I'm glad I got to do it's that great. too. Yeah. My whole okay. Iceland trip was fantastic. I, oh, I just, such a special, magical place, really. Okay. Yes, it so is. it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Sabado Sagaria. He is the president of Bar Taco, which is an upscale street food concept with a coastal vibe and multiple locations. It's part of Barteco Restaurant Group. And Sabado I met because he's formerly with Union Square Hospitality Group. He was their mm. first ever chief restaurant officer. So he, he left mm. USHG and he's now with Bar Taco. And um, Jody, what would you like to ask him? Yeah, Bartaka's fantastic. Um, I'd love to ask him what recipe um, from his childhood conjures the most powerful memories. Wow, that's such a good question. (laughs) Could ask that that to him, I guess. Excited to hear his answer. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Me too. I wonder if it's a taco. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. I know. I'm very curious about that too. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, great. Well, that's the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really fascinated by everything you do, and I'm just, I'm honored to call you a friend and just, you Oh, know. I'm honored to call you a friend, Sherry. Thank you for this opportunity. It was so much fun. Such a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome, and good luck with the rest of your photo shoot and all of Thank your travels. You. And we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure out some plans. I think the is coming out of the oven, so <laughs> perfect timing. Okay, perfect. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Sherry. Take care. So my guest today has been Jody Eddy. She is a cookbook author, journalist, food conference organizer, culinary tour organizer, consultant, recipe tester, and chef. Her website is jodyeddy.com, and her social media handle is Jody Eddy. You can find me on social media at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. Website's BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. As a reminder, all of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And if you get a moment, go to, go to iTunes and leave a little review or a rating. I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again to Jody and to my engineer today, David Tadashore. Thank you so much. I'm Sherry Bayer. I will be back next week with another live show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thanks for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. 
Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.